0: Welcome to Russian History Retold, episode 192, the Regency of Sofia. Last time we recounted the life and times of the greatest general in Russian history, Alexander Suvarov. Today we begin to talk about the rulers of Russia again, heading backwards in time. Our focus in this episode is on the Regency of Sofia Alexievna. Sophia was born on September 27, 1657 in Moscow as the third surviving daughter of Tsar Alexis and his first wife, Maria Miloslavskaya. Her mother gave birth to 13 children, three of whom died in infancy. Eight of the children were female, which was not seen as being very helpful in keeping the Romanov line intact as only males were considered possible heirs. The first crown prince, Dmitri, died in infancy. The next one, Alexei, died at the age of 15. But the third one, Fyodor, was to eventually succeed to the throne. Unfortunately, Fyodor was not a healthy young man, as he was somewhat disabled and disfigured by what many historians believe to have been caused by scurvy. This may explain what happened to the fourth boy, Ivan, was eventually become the co-ruler of Russia, as he was also sickly and mentally disabled. Maria was to die six days after the birth of Yevdokia the 13th child, who only lasted a day. Not satisfied with all those children, especially Fyodor and Ivan, uh, Alexis was really concerned here because the young child had real serious mental and physical disabilities, which caused a lot of concern at the Kremlin. <clears throat> now, Alexis was to remarry a 19-year-old woman named Natalia Kirillovna Naryshkina. She was to bear the Tsar three children, two daughters and one boy. The boy was named Peter. This remarriage and the appearance of a new heir would cause a rift between the families of the two wives of Alexis, the Miloslavskys and the Naryshkins. Tsar Alexis died in 1676, with Fyodor coronated shortly thereafter. He died, though, about six years later, which was to cause chaos and bloodshed over the next heir, as Fyodor died childless. When the Tsar died, the presumptive heir was Ivan, but with his mental capacity in question, a council of boyars decided that the 10 year old Peter should become sole Tsar. It is here that we finally get to meet Sophia as she led a rebellion of the Streltsy in April through May of 1682. This rebellion was brought about by the Miloslavsky family, as they wanted Ivan to be named Tsar. They began to pass rumors around Moscow that the Norishkins had the 16-year-old boy murdered and that they were a corrupt family. The Streltsy, they decided to take action, which they did with the murders of Artemon Matveyev, Mikhail Dolgorukov, and Grigory Romadonowski. On May 17th, they acted again, killing Peter's two uncles, Kirill and Ivan, in a savage manner. This put an imprint on Peter's brain for the rest of his life. It also led to having both Ivan, now known as Ivan V, and Peter named as co-rulers, with Sophia being named regent. Sophia, it can be said, was really unusual for the time. Most Russian women of high birth were sequestered in what was known as the upper-floor terem, where they would be forced to wear a veil. Few were ever educated, and even fewer had any say in the political arena. Sophia was, by contrast, highly educated by someone known as Simeon Polotsky. She was said to have been an important aide to her brother Fyodor when he ruled as Tsar. Austrian envoy Augustine von Meyerberg said this about women in Russia quote to tell the truth the female sex is not at all venerated amongst the moscovites as it is amongst the majority of the nations of Europe and this country they are slaves of men who esteem them a little and the worst condition of all is that of the sisters and daughters of the czars with all of this going against her it's amazing that Sophia was able to basically rule Russia for seven years, between June 8, 1682 until September 22, 1689. Sophia, though, did not have all the power in her hands. She needed a male political partner, which was to come in the person of Prince Vasily Golitsyn. There have been many who have suggested that the two had a romantic relationship, but real evidence is scarce. It's also hard to believe the rumors that they were started under Peter's reign, and he, of course, was not a big fan of hers. As Peter the Great, her half brother was to say of Sophia, quote, she's a princess endowed with all the accomplishments of body and mind to perfection, had it not been for her boundless ambition and insatiable desire for governing. Because of the attitudes of the time, Sophia could not be seen publicly as the ruler of Russia she had to perform her magic behind closed doors and curtains. She had a two-seated throne built for the two young czars, where she would be seated in a chair hidden from view behind them, giving instruction to the boys. Of course, most of the people in the court knew what was going on, but the appearance was important. Sophia was 25 years of age and had to deal with her first crisis just three months into her reign. One of the Streltsy commanders Prince Ivan Kovansky, demanded that the reforms of past Patriarch Nikon of the Russian Orthodox Church would be reversed. Kovansky represented the faction known as the Old Believers, which was common amongst the Streltsy. They wanted to depose Sofia and replace him with their commander. This rebellion was crushed mercilessly, with Kovansky being executed along with the other rebel leaders. While ruling Russia with the help of Galitsyn, she did do a number of good things for Russia. She tried to reform the military organizationally, created the first Russian higher learning school, the uh, Slavonic Greek Latin Academy. She signed the Eternal Peace Treaty with Poland, and in 1689, the Treaty of Nerchinsk with China. Being a Miloslavsky, she needed to have a successor to Ivan before Peter came of age. Sophia had her brother marry Praskovia-Saltikova, hoping that the Union would bring a male heir. The Austrian envoy didn't think this would bear fruition, as he wrote, quote, In my humble opinion, this seems a lost cause, insofar as Tsar Ivan is very infirm and congenitally blind, with a growth of skin right over his eyes. Still, the pair did have five children, but alas... They were all girls. One, though, Anna, would later rule Russia in her own right for 10 years as Empress Anna. Sophia was beginning to like the power that she had in her hands and was starting to become more and more open about it. According to a Swedish delegation, as Michael Farquhar points out in his book, The Secret Lives of Tsars, quote, They were taken to another chamber to see Sophia, Who was seated on a royal throne which was studded with diamonds, wearing a crown adorned with pearls, a cloak of gold-threaded samite lined with sables, and next to the sables, edging of lace. And the sovereign lady was attended to by ladies-in-waiting, two on each side of the throne, and by female dwarfs wearing embroidered sashes and gold sable-lined cloaks." By 1686, not only did Sophia's name appear on official documents, she also began to share the title of autocrat with the two young tsars. She had her face stamped on coins and would appear at court with her full royal regalia on. Sophia had a problem, though. Age. Oh, not hers. Peter's. By 16, the young teenager began to push for more control of the country. Sophia tried to keep him away, letting him play with his preobrazhensky and, and Semonovsky guards and Pryobraszynski in Skoy, but Peter kept on inserting himself in government affairs along with the Naryshkin side of the family who was becoming emboldened. Sofia's problems became even more dire with the disastrous military campaigns led by Golitsyn against the Crimean Tatars. She did not want to admit they were defeated, instead wanted to honor her partner with gifts. Peter, though, wasn't buying it and refused to allow it. Only okaying it under pressure. As General Patrick Gordon wrote, quote, Everyone saw plainly that the consent of the younger Tsar had not been extorted without the greatest difficulty, and that this merely made him more excited against the generalissimo and the most prominent members of the other party at court, for it was now seen that an open breach. Going back to Farquhar, quote, on the night of August 7, 1689, Peter was roused from his sleep at his country retreat and told that the Streltsy were marching out from Moscow to kill him and his family. Wearing just his nightshirt, the terrified Tsar leapt onto his horse, raced to a hidden place, and waited for his clothes to be brought to him. You see, the bloodshed that Sophia had instigated seven years before when Peter's uncles and other relatives were slaughtered by the Streltsy, were really burned into his head. Whether the plot to kill Peter was real, or as some historians have suggested, that it was the young man's family that spread the rumors, the effect was real. Sophia had, in the eyes of many, threatened a sitting czar. She tried to garner support from the Streltsley like she did many years before with what has been described as a rousing speech, but it was all for naught as Peter ordered the men to come to his side. They wavered which caused her to try to meet with Peter, who was staying at the Trinity Monastery. He rebuffed her attempts, and when she tried to get a number of boyars and the patriarch to intervene, she was met with silence. Sophia knew the gig was up, and that she was in trouble. One of her biggest supporters, Fyodor Shack Loviti, a commander of the Streltsy Brigade, was arrested, tortured, and finally executed While being tortured, he admitted that Sophia had plotted to have him kill Peter and his family. The younger Tsar then wrote to his brother Ivan, I shall be ready to honor you as I would my father. This meant that Sophia had to go. The Russian regent allowed herself to be sent to the Novodevichy convent, but she did not take the veil. For ten years, she stayed out of sight. When Peter was off on his grand embassy, the Streltsi decided to rebel, hoping to replace the Tsar with Sophia. Whether she was complicit with the plot, we don't know. I'm of the opinion that she may have known of it, but I doubt she was involved. Whatever the truth, the outcome of the failed rebellion was gruesome. Peter returned early from his trip to brutally put down the uprising, torturing and executing most of the men involved, hanging some of them outside Sophia's window at the monastery. She took the veil, having her head shaved, and was under strict control. The only time she was even allowed to meet other nuns at the monastery was on Easter Day. Sophia Alexievna went from being one of the boldest, smartest, and most powerful women in all of Russia to being a cloistered nun. She would die six years later, on July 14, 1704, at the age of 46. What can be said of Sophia's legacy is that women could finally be thought of as potential rulers of Russia. In fact, as I pointed out earlier, the daughter of her brother Ivan would become Empress Anna. Peter the Great's wife became Empress Catherine I, and one of his daughters would also lead Russia as Empress Elizabeth. The last woman who would rule the country was, of course, Catherine the Great. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. Join me next time when I cover the brief rule of Sophia's brother, Fyodor III, and her father, Alexis. So, as always, I bid you, Dasvidaniya, y Spasibo